Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and we are here with Jared Yautzi. Jared, do you want to say hi? Tell people why you're awesome and famous and all that stuff. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? I'm a front-end, pure front-end developer, have been for uh, probably more than 20 years now, longer than some kids probably in software development have even been alive. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen my fair share. I've been, seen my fair share of uh, things come and go, but I've been focused purely on front end stuff for more than eight years now. And I've been doing Angular since the early days of the Angular 2 alphas. So I'm pretty passionate about Angular. I've done quite a few talks at, at different conferences and done lots of Angular training and stuff for, for companies internally and have been blogging quite a bit. I'm an ng-conf champion, so I blog Angular content specifically for ng-conf to, to help promote the conference there. So I rub shoulders with some some fun people and interesting people in the Angular community and learn a lot from them. So Nice. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Yeah, it's it's always fun to talk to people who get excited about ng-conf because, uh, yeah, I've, I've played D&D with Frosty at Joe's house, spent time with Ken and Kip, and anyway. And yeah, it they always hold it up at Grand America, which is like 40 minutes from my house. So oh, awesome. Yeah, it's 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 definitely fun to kind of be in the thick of that. How did you become an Angular or an ng-conf champion? How, how does that work? Gee, how did that happen? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't, I don't remember exactly how that happened. It might have been that I was doing a little bit of blogging. I definitely was really active on Stack Overflow. And I, I did my best to interface with people like Frosty as often as I could about things like ng-conf and Angular. And so it just kind of good networking and being at the conferences and talking to people and, and doing that sort of thing. They wanted to put together a few different bloggers who would continue to put out information under the ng-conf banner to help spread the word and do what they do, which is, you know, really about teaching and sharing, just like we're doing here is, you know, sharing mm-hmm. ideas and learning and getting better at uh, what we're interested in. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't even know they were doing that. So there we go. So you wrote an article. This is what we invited you to talk about 10 tips for faster Angular development. I have a funny feeling that some of this stuff is going to be new to me and some of this stuff I'm going to wholeheartedly agree with. So yeah, let's just dive in. Now, it's, it's interesting in the article, you start with extensions to VS Code. And I'm curious, is is that generally where you find the, I guess, the biggest wins is just kind of 
adding onto your tooling or? To a good extent, I think tooling is important, right? A, a tool that makes it easier for you to accomplish what you want is important. Although I don't think that any of the modern tools will hinder you in any respect, right? It, with VS Code, mm-hmm. you're going to need some extensions to do some things that say in WebStorm you get for free. Well, right. not exactly free, right? <laughs> you paid for them. But it's the same concept that there are certain benefits that tooling give you that prevent you from just having to type as much or find as much or have to switch from from the tooling into your browser to go do some other task. So right. having the right tooling put in place to simplify your workflow and reduce the amount of redundant boilerplate and stuff like that that you do makes a really big difference in overall productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are some of the extensions that you recommend? I mean, you have some here in the article, but I, I kind of want you to introduce some. Yeah, sure. Well, s- using the right sets of snippets, I'm a big fan of snippets, both you know your own snippets, your, your custom snippets, but there's, there's a lot of nice snippet providers out there for Angular in particular. Angular snippets by John Papa is, is a really important one for just being able to, I, I don't know, you know, I don't, we don't do a whole lot of content production projection or a whole lot of like uh, a whole lot of template work. And every once in a while, it's like, let's see, I got to do an NG template and I need the template outlet. Where does that go again? Oh, I'll just use the snippet and put it mm-hmm. in instead of having to burden. Now I've got enough business rules I have to keep track of, right? Keeping track of all the minutia of some rare syntactical thing isn't really worth the, the mental effort. Right. No, that makes sense. That's that's always helpful, too. I find that there's a balance to be struck with a lot of those, right? So some of the snippets are really helpful, right? It's like, okay, I'll just fill in the couple of things that I need to change. But sometimes the snippets are a little bit too opinionated one way or the other. And so it's it's like, okay, well, you put this thing in and now I have to go restructure half of this yeah. and then put in the couple of things I want to change. So how flexible are the snippets that you get out of this? extension. Um, so for the Angular snippets from John Papa, right, a lot of those are just like little stuff that you do a lot of times. Mm-hmm. For for stuff like what you're saying, where like we've we've got most service most services are an HTTP call with a with a pipe and a catch error in them, right? That doesn't yeah. logger. Well, that's our own kind of internal pattern kind of thing. And so we, I just built my own snippet for doing that sort of thing, right? Because I'm not going to necessarily find exactly what I want from somebody else's canned snippet but for for a lot of like just little stuff like templates just doing ng4 right having that fill in Mm -hmm. for you not having to type the whole thing i mean you type that yeah 50 times a day like well the (laughs) game the games there add up pretty fast so Mm -hmm. right so what you're saying is is that you use the built-in snippet functionality for vs code and then you do that for like your yeah like you said like your services and stuff yeah that makes sense i might have to go and use that a little more than i have I always forget that I can do that. And so then I wind up typing a ton of boilerplate and then it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then I go and I make one or two more and then I forget again. <laughs> yeah, I'm a snippet junkie. Yeah, well, no, I mean, any automation that can save you the the time. And for me, it just helps me get deeper into that flow, right? Because that's what we're after is kind of that flow state. So yeah, exactly. All right, what other extensions are you using? So a, a big one that I just absolutely love, we're using GitHub for our, our repos. So GitHub pull requests, that one gives me the ability to open my pull request directly from VS Code. I publish my branch, so I can I can open a, a pull request. I can do a I can do a review if it's signed to me 
um, through GitHub. I can do a review directly in VS Code. Um, oh, nice. Provide feedback and everything and, and um, approve or, or request changes on that. So I, I really like that one. It's easy for me to pull down someone else's branch and, and, and look at what's going on just directly from that interface. So I like that one a lot. And then version lens, especially as you know, we're going through upgrade cycles, trying to keep up with with the Angular team as, as fast as we possibly can. As those things come along, wanting to see if the versions of all my third-party stuff are up to date and then kind of get those up to date. Version Lens lets me see at a glance directly in my package JSON how far behind I am on, on third-party dependencies and update them kind of directly right there without having to do a bunch of NPM installs and things like that from the command line. Oh, interesting. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I, I really like that. I'm not the biggest fan of the pull requests UI on GitHub anyway. And to be honest, having to go somewhere else to do that work as opposed to, yeah, just managing it in my text editor. I really like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, the version lens, that that sounds interesting too. Does it work kind of like Dependabot or? It's just another lens in Visual Studio Code, right? That gives okay. you an- annotations above the lines the lines in your package mm-hmm. JSON so that you can see what your current version is, what it satisfies and what the latest is. And with one okay. click, you can, up, you can update it to latest. And then when, you, when you've updated all of them, that you run one NPM install and it just updates everything. That's slick. Yeah. That's really slick. So that right there, I mean, that keeps you up to date, helps you manage your GitHub stuff, keeps you from typing too much boilerplate. You have another one in here, auto, remain, auto rename tag. Yeah, I hate typing. <laughs> and and I, don't, I really do. For, for being a software developer, I really hate typing. The I don't know how often, right, I, we go like refactor something and like the selector doesn't update for some reason. Right, You got to go change the selector, just change the name of something. And you go change the opening tag and just finding the closing tag can be a real pain in the butt sometimes, right? Uh, yeah, you could use control F, but even just you're typing in the long name of some selector that you've got one of your custom selectors and you get to the end of that you, you close that pointy bracket and it automatically fills in the closing pointy bracket well if you refactor that later right and change the the opening name the closing name is automatically changing in line with you just not having to go find the thing and change it mm-hmm. just another just just another easy thing i've probably got i don't know 20 extensions installed so that I can do more in VS Code and have to do less manually and less in other environments and other tooling. So Yeah, makes sense. All right. So we kind of jumped in on the extensions, talked about VS Code. Uh, what else do you recommend people do? So like I said, I'm a snippet junkie, right? Finding If you find that you do something you know, more than a couple times a day, you probably should have a snippet for it. I, I know we've all got boilerplates, boilerplate patterns and, and things that we use in our code that, you know, writing snippets is easy. Uh, once you've done one or two of them, it's just not that that complicated to add them. And so you can write mm-hmm. snippets for your HTML, snippets for your TypeScript. And so I, I put an example in that article of like how to write a snippet for a really basic HTTP service method call that logs. You know, that's just the kind of boilerplate kind of thing that we do all the time. Because, you know, I don't know how many services you write in a day, but you, know, you write three or four of these things every day and you need to, so much of it is just exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. Yep, yep. Very cool. I'm going to keep us on VS Code here for a minute because I I think I did know this, but use multiple terminals in VS Code. So is this just kind of the tabbing feature for the terminal? Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the ability to open up multiple multiple terminals right in VS Code. You know, you don't have Mm -hmm. to run a separate window and switch out of VS Code and go see if it's working or if your lint worked or this, that. Right. It's like you can just do everything you need to do right there. 
You don't yeah. have to stop one thing in order to do another thing. You can run things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm often running tests simultaneously with serving up the application. And right. we all, we have, I imagine most people do too, where it's like you kind of have a checklist of things that you need to do before you submit your PR to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm not going to break the build and stuff like that. And so, you know, I've got a tab open for each one of those things in, in the terminal so that I'm, and it's a keyboard shortcut switch between those tabs, right? So I don't even have to grab my mouse to go back and forth between them. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually doing the same thing. So I'll have one open to serve the app and another one to run the tests. My linter usually actually runs as an extension, but yeah. Yeah, those are handy. So one other thing that you put in here was to run hot module replacement, which is definitely useful. One thing that I found is that sometimes you have to wait for a second for it to kind of build everything back to run again. Yeah, it depends on exactly how much you're changing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're working on one of those things where it's like I'm working on the store and you know I'm, I'm working in some NGRX stuff and I'm connecting two components that are in two different modules, you know, wildly across different areas of the application kind of thing that can have like some cascading effects that take a little mm-hmm. bit longer to recompile that. But generally speaking, that's uh, that's still better than having to shift refresh all the time and manually go back for those refreshes. Most of the time, it's it's actually, you know, just it's I don't know how many times I've done it. And it's like, did it do it? But I'll just refresh again, just because I didn't see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, I've run into that too, where, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm not sure. And the, yeah, you refresh it and it's, it's done. One other thing that's nice is that, and I can't remember, I haven't I haven't done a whole lot of Angular lately. I can't remember. So it used to actually refresh the page when you changed the code. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, HM, the HMR will automatically do all that for you, right? Yeah. It only recompiles the modules that actually change. Mm-hmm. And will automatically refresh. In fact, you can get a notice in the in the dev tools if your dev tools are open. Yep. Mine are always open. Right. That, you know, it's 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 waiting for that refresh cycle to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trigger to refresh and it's waiting. Yep. Which is so handy because again, you know, it's back to that flow state, right? It's like I don't want to have to stop and remember to build and then remember to pull what you know, whatever other steps I have before I pull it back up again, you know. I wanna make the changes in the code and then have it automatically show me what changed yeah. or automatically throw an error if I typoed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting that that rapid feedback is really important. I've only noticed one mo- one problem with hot module replacement and mm-hmm. that's uh, we do have a singleton service that talks to our feature flag provider and that cre- uh, because that's a singleton instance and it's restarting it each time the browser is getting cleaned up. And so there's actually a new instance of that singleton service getting created every time. Ah. So uh, about once a day, I kill. I make sure I at least kill that thing and fire it up again because otherwise, uh, I will end up sending far too many requests uh, <laughs> down the pipe because too much of that is cleaned up and it is hanging out, sitting in there. Makes sense. All right, what else you got for us? Well, let's see what else is in this article. So I'm a I'm a command line guy. I, I I love I love tools, right? I really do love good uh-huh. GUI tooling. But the one place where I've never found a tool that can compete is Git. Um, right. I find that doing Git from the command line is much more efficient for anything other than just push and pull, right? For the basic stuff, I'm I'm just using Visual Studio Code to do that. But when it's time to like, hey, you know, I need to cherry pick something from here to there, or I need to drop back to a, to a previous commit. I, I've kind of gotten mm-hmm. used to doing that from the the tooling Visual Studio Code too, but like cherry picking and 
I always get in trouble with rebasing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in VS Code, it's like, it's like, it'll sit there and it'll go, I don't know what to do. And then I go to my command line and I just tell it to keep, keep going. Yeah. And, and so like, and I think, I think that it actually shows up a flaw. That's another thing, right? Is in there. So one is, right, configure your terminal shell for Git, whatever terminal you're using, right? Whether it's, it's bash or ZSH or I don't know what other flavors people might be using. Um, right. Uh, PowerShell on Windows, whatever whatever shell you're using, configure it so that it's giving you information when you're in the context of a Git repository, so that it's giving you context about your Git. Your right, what what branch am I in? Do I have you know? Do I have? Am I out of sync? Am I? Do I have changes pending? Do I have untracked files? Right, that gives you feedback about your status in Git. That's valuable information that you know at a glance you get some quick information that that helps you know where you are without necessarily having to dive into any tooling or run any commands to, to figure that out. And then related to that is learn to use Git. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but it's surprising how many developers know how to how to push and pull, but just have no idea what the heck's going on in Git. Oh, oh, oh so I have to chime in here because I worked with a guy and, you know, he doesn't listen to the show, so I, I won't feel terrible <laughs> calling him out. But so my last job, we there were two teams that worked on the same code base and so they would you know they would pr something in and then we'd pr something in and and things would get messy on the development branch right and so then when we'd have to go pull our changes up to staging wasn't always a clean process Mm -hmm. and so his solution to that was to go cherry pick all the commits and yeah that works great if you only get the ones you want and you managed to get all of the ones you want, which never actually happened. And so it turned into this just giant mess. The other way that this would materialize was that if we had kind of a a long-running feature branch that we would PR everything into, and then we would eventually merge the the long-running branch, right? And so if stuff didn't play nice, then he would go and he would cherry-pick stuff in, and I'm just going, dude, it's (laughs) like, you just, just rebase the thing on, right? And then you can go commit by commit and say, no, this, not that. Okay, that, not this. (sighs) Anyway, and so it would always wind up in these just screwy states. I'm just, it was always frustrating because it, it was effectively, look, we can solve these issues in this way. Or the other trick that he just would never understand was, look, if instead of trying to merge our changes onto master, if we would merge master onto our branch, right? So you create another another branch where you fork ours and then you merge master onto it. Then you can, you know, you can tidy up all the all the stuff. And then you can merge that branch onto master and master won't freak out. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it was just it was frustrating because I mean, I'd spend hours unsnarling the mess. Yes. And it, it was just, yeah. It, anyway, it got frustrating and it was all down to, well, I don't know how to use Git on the command line because when I do anything else, I just use VS Code's Git implementation. Yeah. Which, like you said, it's really, I mean, I, I use it all the time. Plus, 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 plus. Here's my commit message. Off it goes, right? Yeah. But if I have to do anything complicated, I go to the command line. Yeah, exactly. And it saves you time. It saves you time to know what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. It can cost you a lot of time to not know what you're doing and to mess it up and to like un un 
snarl all of that right mm-hmm. and, and figure out how to to rectify that situation so it's not angular specific obviously but there's a really great plural site there's a and it's free it's a free plural site course called how git works and this guy just unravels what git is and just how ridiculously simple and smart git is and when you right. under, understand, when you actually understand why Git works the way it does and how it's working, then you won't be afraid to go, right, dig out those commands that mm-hmm. you from the command line to go do something that sounds horrible and complicated. But in reality, when you think about what Git is doing, it's not. It's really simple. Yeah. So learning to use that, learning to use it right will save you a lot of time trying to figure out what's going on in your environment, why you can't get stuff merged into the branches you needed to to get it deployed and, and into production or into testing. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, understanding how Git works and leveraging, you know, a lot of the good tooling around Git uh, really does help. And then learning to use it from the command line nine times out of 10, right? You can just type in what you want to do as opposed to having to go, well, let's see, I want this thing. And then is it this command or that command or what is that? <laughs> Is that going to do what I think it does? Do I really trust this tooling to do exactly the right thing? And mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yeah, well, and you mentioned uh, Z Shell and Terminal, and Z Shell has a whole bunch of shortcuts, or Oh My Z Shell is what I'm using, has a whole bunch of Git shortcuts, right? So I can actually hit tab and see what all the branches are, stuff like that, and it shows me what branch I'm on and my command line prompt and stuff like that. So all of that is also really, really nice. Yeah, I will say the only other thing that is superior in my opinion, when you're using Git, what is superior in VS Code is when you're dealing with a merge. If yeah. you have a merge conflict, it it, re- it highlights it. It makes it really easy. Yeah. Th- this is what doesn't line up. And sometimes you're looking at it and you're going, okay, Git, you are dumb because you said that this whole, you know, this whole section of like four, 40 lines of code is in conflict with this other section's 30 lines of code. And the reality is, is, it's actually like three merge conflicts and they're here, here, and here. Yeah. But, yeah. But you can go and you can see what it is and you can go untangle it. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I do. I do like to resolve conflicts there. That's it. It is usually a lot simpler. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, learn Git. I should just sit here and just say it for like five minutes. Learn Git, learn Git, learn Git. Because, oh my gosh, especially from the command line. it. I can't tell you how many times it's just saved my bacon to understand how that works. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a link in the article to that Plural Site course. I forgot I put it in there. So that yeah, that's a really good, highly recommend it. It's really short. It's like hour and a half, right? It's a really short mm-hmm. course, but it'll it'll open your eyes to Git and be comfortable using it. Good deal. We'll make sure it winds up in the show notes too, along with your article. Cool. All right. So we get all the extensions set up. We make sure that Git is doing its thing. You know, we're hot module reloading. What else is there? 
Well, so this one might be a little bit, this one might be difficult for, for, for people to, to accept, but I use a, I use a plugin, uh, a third party, basically set of technology called Wallaby JS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's an inline test runner. Uh, it, it runs your, it runs your unit tests live in VS code as you change them. And it only runs the tests that are changing. So it doesn't have, you don't have to wait for your test to right. all wait. Right. I mean, we've got close to 3000 tests at the moment. And so <laughs> running, running all of those tests, running all of those tests, you know, it takes like on a pretty right. beefed up machine, you know, it takes like two minutes. So, uh, but by the test, you don't want to wait two minutes to see, you know, what, nope. what you're breaking, what you're changing, especially if you're doing test driven development or you're doing, you know, refactoring on existing code kind of thing. You want to know kind of right away. Mm-hmm. But Wallaby is running those live, real-time, multi-threaded, asynchronously, in parallel. And uh, and it color codes in the UI. It color codes what's passing and what's failing. It highlights, um, it, it highlights what the failure is in your code. So you can see in your code what test is failing and how it's failing. You can debug your unit tests stepping through your code as the test, stepping through your test and then into your code. Um, so it's really, really powerful. It's also expensive. Um, <laughs> a, per, a personal, I think a personal license, like 130 bucks and the, mm-hmm. the, right, the, the enterprise li- license is like 250 bucks. It's expensive. But when you think about right. your, ta- your time, if you're, if you don't think your time is expensive, you need to go ask for a raise today. Um, right. You should, <laughs> true. Your time should be expensive. Um, when you think about how much time, uh, I literally, if a, if a company would not flip the bill to buy this for me, I'd buy my own copy. It just doesn't matter. It, it saves me so much time because unit testing is such a huge part of what we do. If yep. you're doing it right. And so I, I would say of all of these things that I do, every single week, Wallaby JS pays for its license. Every single week. So because it saves that much time and knowing whether whether or not my tests are good, my tests are passing, what's broken, where, how do I fix it? What do I need to dive into? It's very, very easy to set up. It's almost zero setup to get it up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, their support team is really, really good. They're very, very responsive. They're really, really helpful to help you figure out, even in really complex situations, to help you understand where these kinds of problems happen and what you can go look at in your tests to go prevent that from happening. That they're very timely and responsive. So, I, I think it's just one of those, um, one of those things where something that we do all the time. I, it's just one of those things I really wish Visual Studio Code would bake into Visual Studio Code. It just saves so much time. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to go check it out. I've heard of it, but I haven't ever used it. So, so one other thing you have in here is keyboard shortcuts, which I cannot argue with. Yeah, I mean. I must use Option Shift O like a hundred times a day just to organize my imports to rip out something that okay I, I changed the design of that this is no longer dependent on mm-hmm. that I broke it down into smaller components and so now the dependencies have all changed and so you know I right. just want to clean up really fast and I need to hide this part of the IDE I need to switch to this other area um, mm-hmm. I need to copy I need to duplicate a line of code I need to I need to I need to block select four lines of code know how to use your keyboard. It's kind of like it's kind of like knowing how to use your mouse. 
right? You, you want to know how to use your mouse. You don't want to have to go mm-hmm. click on a scroll bar and drag the little handle in a scroll bar to scroll, right? You want to know how to <laughs> scroll using the roll button or scroll using a trackpad, right? You need to know mm-hmm. how to do those things. As a developer, knowing how to use your keyboard will save you a tremendous amount of time, not reaching for that mouse and trying to get your pointer in the right spot. Be like for Wallaby, right? Sometimes, right, I, I change a bunch of, I, I start restructuring some modules and refactoring some stuff and and after a while, it's like, okay, Wallaby's like, hey, man, like, I cannot figure out what you're doing. And I need to kind of restart Wallaby. I, well, it's, you know, it's two keyboard shortcuts. So I stop it and I start it. And it's doing its thing in the background. And I go on and keep on doing what I was doing. Yep. Instead of having to go up into the, into the, the I don't even know what you call that thing, the task runner mm-hmm. thing in Visual Studio Code and finding your, finding your commands there, right? That's like, don't go hunting in that, in that explorer tree. If you can command P and start typing in the name of some class and it's going to show up and you mm-hmm. can enter and it's open and it's there. I don't care where it is in the source code tree. I can find it. I know what it's called. Yep. Saves you time. Yep, absolutely. So much of what you're talking about, I use an extension for and it's the Emacs key bindings extension. Yeah. But absolutely it. I mean, again, it's just back to that flow. I, I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I just hit the keys and off I go. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I know it happens where I'm I'm coding with a I'm pair programming with a you know a, a junior developer you know trying to show them some new stuff and stuff and it's like and every once in a while it's like I'm going pretty fast like hey wh- what you do how'd you do that <laughs> I'm like well I yeah. used my keyboard I didn't use my mouse I wasn't pointing at anything I was using my keyboard and so here's a new keyboard shortcut for you it, it definitely makes you a lot faster yeah and some of that just takes practice too right mm-hmm. you show me six key bindings I'm not going to remember them all. But if I can go out of my way to remember one or two of them and get proficient with those and then come back and say, okay, what are some of the other ones? And and this is something that I uh, encourage people to do as part of the uh, top end devs 1% method is just learn one new thing every day, right? And so it could be, hey, I'm going to pick up a new key binding every day or something like that, right? I'm going to learn some new feature of VS Code. I'm going to learn some new feature of what I can do with hot module swapping or I'm going to learn some new command line command for Git. And and all of these things, you know, you kind of pick it up a piece at a time. You see the experienced guys and it seems like they just fly through this stuff. But it's because they've done that, right? A piece yeah. at a time, they've picked it up. And I mean, I can't emphasize to people enough that, yeah, just, yeah, you got to practice. It's going to take some time for it to feel natural. And then it's going to take more time for it to, to where you're doing it. And then somebody's going to go, how'd you do that? Right? Because you didn't even think about it. You just kind of breezed past it without thinking about it. But it allows you to focus on the parts of this that are unique or hard. Yeah, because there's enough of that, right? (laughs) Oh, plenty, plenty. (laughs) I'm going to screw up pieces of this anyway, right? I may as well screw up the parts that are hard. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So uh, anything else? I mean, we kind of covered everything in the article. Are there any other tricks that you like? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, this is an article about being faster. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about being able to be more productive, productive on a day. Right. And, and I kind of end the article with something that's counterintuitive for people and that, that a lot of people have real difficulty understanding and appreciating. And that's that the only way to go fast is to go well. And the and quality is the only way to go fast. Right. Yeah. If you're going to do things right, you absolutely have to slow down and think about what you're doing. Right. Um, I don't care if it's Angular or any any other language that you're working in. If you don't think clearly enough about your problems, if you don't take the time to sometimes even, you know, bounce your ideas often, not not even, but often 
bounce your ideas mm-hmm. off other people, talk talk through your approaches to to a problem, think about best practices, design patterns, um, solid principles, right? Are approaching problems from that perspective. We want to go fast, but we want to go fast because it's easy to do so because we built good stuff in the past. Right. It's easy to build on top of that stuff. So all of these little things are little productivity measures that that help us to go fast when things are good, when the things are already in place, where there's already clean code to work against, where there's already um, good architecture to build upon. So take the time to stop and think about what you're doing. Um, We are not code monkeys. Our job is not to just produce thousands of lines of code. It's to produce really good products for our users. Whose boss have you been talking to? I'm just supposed to make code lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the thing. I'm I'm, I'm an architect and a and a dev manager, so right. I, I to a little yeah. bit of an extent, I am the boss. So <laughs> no, it's funny though because yeah, at the end of the day, and I I mostly do freelance work these days when I'm writing code or I'm writing it for myself. In, in which case, I'm the boss, right, or the client, or however you want to look at it, but. When you're working from that end, they just care how many problems you solve. But I've worked at other places where it was, well, how many points are you getting toward our velocity? Or how many lines of code did you write? Or how many, how many, it's like, how much time did I save our customers? You know, how much, how much of a difference did I make for people who were using the app? I mean, those, those are the things that really matter, right? How many, how many accounts have I just solidified as far as they're never going to leave us, right? Yeah. Because this works, it works well, it's clean, it's fast. Yeah, anyway, how much time and effort did I save the team by doing things this way instead of that way, by writing good tests around the code that I'm writing? And, and all of these things are things that, like you said, you know, it takes it takes practice. You have to keep doing it right, and then you get better and faster at doing it right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, if people want to connect with you, they're thinking, wow, this was awesome. I need more Jared in my life. How do they find you? At Jared Yautzi on Twitter. I'm not real active on Twitter. I'll, I'll post something now and then, and it usually is Angular related. But on Medium is where you'll find a lot of my stuff, right? I blog on Medium. And so I've got quite a few articles out there. I try to be as I try to be as active as possible on, mm-hmm. on uh, Stack Overflow as well. But it's not so much about... Uh, Social blogging is kind of my main way of getting information out on uh, when it comes to Angular. Awesome. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right. Well, the last, last part of this is picks. This is just shout outs about stuff that you like, stuff that you've been enjoying or playing with or whatever. I always pick a board game of some kind on the show, right? I have other friends that pick beer, but I don't drink. So (laughs) I do board games because that's my unhealthy habit. So the pick that I have for the board game this week is called Dice Forge. And Dice Forge, everybody's given two dice and they're all configured, you know, the same way, right? And then you roll the dice and you can either get gold, moon tokens, or fire tokens. And then when you have enough of those, 
you can spend them to get cards or there, you know, there's some other niggly little things you can do with it, but mostly that's what you're doing. So you buy a card that allows you to swap one of the face on your dice. Hmm. And so you're effectively building up your dice. And at the end of the game, at some point, you're going to switch from souping up your dice to getting victory points. And whoever has the most victory points at the end wins, right? So you can spend you can spend gold to buy faces for your dice. You can buy spend gold to, you know, under certain circumstances, if you get the right cards, right, you can trade your gold for victory points. And so you start acquiring those kinds of things instead of uh, faces for your dice. And anyway, it was it was really fun. I really lost, but it was still fun. My wife and I, every last weekend in February every year, we go down to St. George, Utah, which is an hour and a half, two hours from Las Vegas. And they have a parade of homes. And so you just walk through all these homes that the home builders want to show off. And that's been a thing we've done the last six, seven years. And anyway, so we'll go see a whole bunch of houses and then we'll go play board games because we go with my sister-in-law and her husband and my father-in-law. So anyway, it it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. I guess I'll pick the St. George Parade of Homes as well, even though you're a year out now from being able to go do it if you want to do it. And then I also just want to remind people we're doing workshops, topendevs.com slash workshops. I should have Angular remote conference up and running so you can submit CFPs and see who's speaking and stuff. I should have that soon and, and have a schedule for that. I was actually looking at doing it sometime in August or September, and then they postponed NGConf for August or September. And those guys put on such a great show that I kind of want to give people a, an option Right. So they have to pick and choose and give people an option where it's been. It's been a few months now. I'm going to, you know. So anyway, uh, keep an eye out for that. We're probably looking like November, December, I think. But it'll be online and you'll be able to watch all the the conferences. I do them 100 percent remote because I don't really want to pay for a venue. And because it allows people to kind of come in from wherever they're at and participate, uh, you know, the same way as everybody else. But I'm using a system called AirMeet, and it allows you to like sit down virtually at a table and chat with people, kind of like on a Zoom call. We'll have sponsors and stuff like that, and you can go go to their virtual booths and stuff like that. So it'll be really great. I have some ideas for some cool stuff that we'll wind up doing as part of the deal. So uh, it won't be like, a, hey, I'm just going to show up and sit through a video. It, it's going to be more involved than that. And I really like getting live Q&A. So as much as possible, we'll have the speakers doing live Q&A. But anyway, uh, go check that out. And then I guess the other thing that I'm working on pulling together is an Angular meetup online, just worldwide online meetup. That'll probably be either the end of March or beginning of April. So if you're looking for something like that, then keep an eye out for that. It'll be free to attend. And then we'll just add it to the library of stuff that you can get as a Top End Devs member. So... Anyway, go check all of that out. And yeah, that's kind of what we're working on these days. Uh, Jared, what are your picks? So interesting picks lately. It's been crazy. We've been uh, remodeling a house. We've finally got into it, but it's like all this straggler stuff that we've been we've been working on. So mm-hmm. like off time having fun, right? Has has we haven't had a whole that kind of downtime lately. But I did I did recently pick up. Uh, I've been playing. My wife and I have been playing. It takes two or the two of us. Too. can't remember the name of the game on on ps5 where you're playing a husband and wife that have been turned into dolls 
right? They're, they're going through a divorce. <laughs> they, they want a divorce, right? And, mm-hmm. and they have to like get their daughter to, to be happy again, right? In order to get oh, un- interesting. undollified again, right? And so I got my wife to play video games with me. And it's been a fun game and she's, she's actually picked it up really well and having a lot of fun doing that. So it's kind of like been our, kind of one of our go-to date night activities is like, we're going to go play mm-hmm. video games. Um, nice. And, and so that's, that's been fun. That's, that's definitely a pick. Yeah. Otherwise, um, at this point I'm picking spring. I'm ready for winter to go away. I'm ready for spring to actually arrive. We've had spring like four times already here in Arkansas. Oh, I know. Right. Same <laughs> here. It's like, oh, it's so nice. Note again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm picking spring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing is when we go to St. George Parade of Homes, it's usually quite a bit warmer down there than it is here. And yeah, we went down there and we got out of the 60 degree weather or, you know, out of the 40 degree weather, we got down into the 50 degree weather down there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, I guess it's slightly warmer here, but Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh when yeah. It comes to board games. I would pick Yahtzee because, right? My name gets mispronounced Yahtzee all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, if it came, to I could see games, that. I'd have to choose Yahtzee. My license plate actually says five dice. <laughs> oh, nice. That's definitely a classic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for coming. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And until next time, folks, Max out. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.